0: This is the Mobile Tech Podcast brought to you by WorldPodcasts.com. Now, here's your host, Tank Girl Miriam Joar. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Joar, and today is Tuesday, August 15th, 2017, and I'm joined by the delightful Sherilyn Lowe of Engadget. Hi, Sherilyn, how are you?
1: Hello, I'm good. How are you,
0: Miriam? I'm good. It's really great to have you on the show. I've been wanting, you know, to have you on the show for a long time, actually. (laughs) And, uh, you know, our schedules are kind of insane. So I'm really glad you were able to make it happen today. Yeah. Um, Especially, you know, since you're like such a strong voice for for mobile phone and a woman in tech. Yes. (laughs) I
1: know. I like to leverage the woman in tech thing a lot.
0: Well, it's important, right? We need to have a voice as ladies. Mm -hmm. um, And I think that, you know... I was very privileged to be at Engadget, having a pretty strong voice for a number of years. And now you're in that place, mm-hmm. and I'm you know I love reading your stories. So thank you. Speaking of which, um, you published a story today uh, about Qualcomm and their new camera stuff. And I actually got briefed by Qualcomm last week about this stuff too. And I'm super stoked about what they're doing. Do you want to tell us about it?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I guess to kind of break it down for you, right, Qualcomm had a couple of announcements or major announcements today. One is that they are re-architecting their Spectra ISP, uh, the image signal providers. Um, and they're adding three new modules to their Spectra kind of camera module program. And uh of the three, we you know, we kind of all of us in, in, in tech zoomed in on this one called the premium computer vision. Pardon the pun. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I did that deliberately, but I like to think I was smart enough. (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, so we all kind of focused on the premium computer vision kit, which basically does what Qualcomm calls active depth sensing. Um, And it basically uses what looks like three cameras, but really is an IR illuminator, an IR camera, and a regular RGB camera to... Tell how far away things are from you, or how deep, I guess they are. Um, yep. And to kind of, kind of briefly explain how this works, uh, the IR illuminator shoots out a light pattern of dots um, using a filter, and then the camera, the IR camera itself, will read the pattern and kind of calculate how it warps over um, certain subjects, and you know count the distance between the dots, and therefore figure out mathematically how far away they are from the camera itself uh which is pretty like smart and (laughs) um qualcomm explained to me how existing double or dual cameras work to do depth sensing for bokeh um it's a little more like a a guess guesswork kind of a thing it's not it's not as accurate no yeah it definitely doesn't have the precise calculations that the infrared setup. Does. So, I mean, I myself was super stoked, first of all, because the demo, I'm sure you saw the video. And yeah, if the people, video is yeah.
0: impressive. Yeah, if you, got, uh, you Go ahead. Go on.
1: <laughs> you should <laughs> you go. go ahead. Okay, I'll go. Um, the video is online. I'm sure you can find it on any number of publications. But I will link
0: um, it. I will link your story to the to the notes of the podcast. So there, there
1: you go. go. You can look it up in the notes of the podcast. And um, basically, for those who are just listening to the podcast, basically in the video, you have someone holding up the camera that is embedded on what looks like a tablet or a phone, and someone's playing the piano below the camera. But without moving the camera at all, the you know the display is able to show the profile of the hands playing the piano. So you're not even restricted to just one plane of view. You can you can tweak the perspective and see like, accurately what those hands look like from another point of view, which I thought was, to me, the mind-blowing part of it. I don't know about it, you. It's
0: really amazing, yeah. Um, I just want to preface that a bunch of this technology has been around for a while. It's just mm-hmm. that the amount of processing power that uh, Qualcomm is able to to put into the ISP now allows this to become a, a viable thing uh, on the mobile devices uh, with the power, you know, the, the battery requirements of a power of a mobile device. We don't want to waste a battery life running this thing, right? For but sure. But the, 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 most people are familiar with this technology because Connect is basically what what <laughs> does that. Like, connect, it projects a grid. It's not patterns. It's not dots. But it's the same idea. And then you can measure distance very accurately from, you know, the size of the grid uh, from a distance and how it projects on objects. and But uh, imagine this in your phone with super fast processing power provided by the ISP. That's what Qualcomm demoed. And it's actually way more accurate than Kinect was because it's much newer. And the other advantages they didn't really talk about in their kind of press stuff but uh, that are related to it is that you can now have instant, super accurate, pretty much perfect autofocus, right? Because y- you know how far an object is. So if you tap on the screen on that person, the infrared thing system knows exactly how far that face is.
1: Yeah, they definitely didn't really go into detail
0: about that. But and, and then you can focus there and then yeah. have a perfectly in-focus photo. In fact, you can follow the subject as they move away or forward or backwards from the camera and keep focus, which is pretty amazing. The other thing it allows you to do, as you already mentioned, is better better portrait photography where the edges of your subject are better defined so you can have a much sharper cutoff point for your you know, fake blurring, fake bouquet, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> yep. So I think it's going to help for just regular photography. And then on top of that, you've got all this AR stuff we can do now with that, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of the technology that's inside of. Tango is becoming basically uh, commonplace on future Snapdragon devices using this ISP. Mm -hmm. So it means that your average phone, well, maybe not average, but your flagship phone next year shouldn't have to be a quote-unquote AR Mm -hmm. phone like the Zenfone AR or like the Lenovo Fab 2 Pro to be a Tango device. It could just be a Tango device simply because it has this infrared imaging system built in.
1: I mean, I haven't seen it in action. That's the thing is like a lot of this is so theoretical. I mean, in yeah. practical applications in in the labs or whatever, but I would need to see it in a phone. Like you said, it's going to come to like higher end flagship phones probably next year. And the fact that they can now squeeze this into a, a handset, like with the, I asked them the f- difference between this and RealSense. And their answer was, their understanding was that, you know, RealSense and stuff like Connect can't fit into the thermal body of a phone which i feel like has to do with size and
0: power heat dissipation yeah absolutely. and power consumption yeah.
1: yeah um but yeah no that is super exciting and i can't wait for next year's phones honestly
0: good news right i mean good news all around because i think all our flagships next year are going to be able to do ar and do depth um uh tricks uh, that are not Quite possible today, and I think improves the speed of autofocus, better portrait mode, et cetera, et cetera. It's going to be awesome. And since we, you know, I expect a good chunk of la- next year's flagships will have Snapdragon chips in them of some kind. Hopefully, um, we'll see that spread, right?
1: I think so. I mean, I, the, you know, there's always that thing in the air with Qualcomm versus Apple going on right now, but it's not as if you know Qualcomm's partners are suddenly going to ditch. You know, Qualcomm and be like, yeah, no, I mean, Qualcomm's making more than chips these days. So it will see this tech filter out, not just to the Samsungs and the Apples of the world, but other people who use Qualcomm chips, who use their technology, uh, are at least going to adopt this. So I don't know. I feel like. It- it's me overthinking the whole Qualcomm Apple thing, you know, because that's going to well, last
0: for so long. I think you have a, do a val- have a valid point. Is that um, so far the demos we've seen with AR Kit? have Mm -hmm. been really impressive i honestly way more impressive than tango stuff Mm -hmm. i i have i reviewed the lenovo fab 2 pro last year for chip check and Mm -hmm. i currently have a zen phone ar to play with Mm -hmm. and you know honestly tango is still kind of like hit and miss and when Mm -hmm. it works it's magical but it just still feels really clunky and doesn't really feel as polished as the demos we've seen for ar kit so Obviously, one of Apple's phones, maybe all of Apple's phones will have some sensor tech in them to uh, improve AR uh, sensing so that you can do AR kit type stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to that. So obviously, there's going to be some competition there. But I think oh, that yeah. there's a good solid foundation here for a lot of Android devices to be at least competitive in that field next year if they adopt this this ISP from Qualcomm. So, hey.
1: Yeah. And I think we shouldn't just think about phones. We should think about other types of devices, like and like you know Google um, VR headsets, the daydream type stuff. I for don't sure, know. we'll see. Yeah, Combining I don't know. The two, literally, right? exactly. It would be really like room sensing, like depth sensing on a VR headset, would make for a more immersive immersive experience altogether.
0: Totally, and I think the other thing too is like you know snapshot style gog uh, glasses, right? Are mm. gonna probably become more prolific and more common in a few years and you know having this kind of technology in them is gonna allow you some really accurate head tracking and a whole bunch of other stuff so
1: i mean that would be scary but also cool
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah well you know i think we're heading that way you know
1: black mirror here we come
0: yeah speaking (laughs) of scary but also wow um Uh. your eco story you wrote a few weeks back yeah. Uh, with Richard Lye, I have to give credit where credit is due. Everybody. Yeah. Right? But you, you're the main writer, and and I want to kind of hear you tell us a bit about this whole this whole saga, because you know I've always been very critical of what they're doing, mm-hmm. um, but more on a product you know side of things. But mm-hmm. uh, you you know you looked at the whole picture, so you know what what is the takeaway? What is the story here?
1: The story I think is that. They it seemed like a a bit of a culture clash. Um and I think I'm I'm starting from the middle of the story. Let me backtrack a little (laughs) bit, right? For people who don't really know going into this, what this is. Leiko is this Chinese tech startup about ten years ago-ish that um kind of sped to the top of China's version of NASDAQ within like like, like I said, ten years. and um, you know, saw a lot of growth. It was a TV streaming service back then. But in recent years, since say about like, you know the past six years or so, it started looking at hardware. It started to, you know, aggressively develop a vast, a portfolio of hardware products, including TVs, smartphones. You've also got cars and bicycles. It's a lot of weird crap coming out of that company. Um, but then last year, about in September or so, I you know the details are a little bit beyond me at this point because there are so many dates. But um, they started to officially come to the U.S. Um, with this huge splashy event. But even before that, if you've been paying attention to Chinese news, you'll know their founder and CEO, Jia Yueting. He's a little bit of a suspicious character in that. Yeah, he, he, Yeah. He, he's got some kinds of political dealings that aren't very, I I don't know for sh- for sure what went on. You know, some media says, yeah, it's all cool, all kosher. But some other, you know, media outlets are like, this is completely... Shady, he was involved with some kind of Corruption scandal, let's just leave it at that Anyway, so that piqued my interest And that in about and Before they came to the US I was paying attention To what they were doing in in terms of Sketchy stuff And then when they came to the US I was like, haha, this is when They're going to start you know, Coming under scrutiny Is what I thought, and it turns out That's what happened I think they came into the US and started selling their phones here, started to take on, you know, make a lot of big claims about how they were going to be, you know, the next Tesla. They called Apple outdated. Um, They said, I mean, they, they were being called the Netflix of China as well. So there's a lot of accolades, sort of, tied to that company. And so they drew a lot of attention. Right. But then, late last year, news out of China surfaced that they weren't paying their vendors on time or they weren't even paying their vendors. Then you got Um, people suing them, again, for the same things like unpaid bills. But then they start letting, you know, employees go with more stories of not paying them things like severances. And these are all reports. I don't know for certain, you know, any of these things. I mean, we have obviously a bunch of anonymous sources who've told us things, but to the best of our ability, we try to verify these as much as possible. So I can't tell you anything that I haven't verified that I haven't written about. Um, but it's just started to look very suspicious. Um, and then in January, I had the opportunity to interview some of their executives at CES. So Uh I was like, why don't we just make a story out of the, why don't we look into this? So I asked them straight up about them. And to their credit, the U S operations, people who were hired in the U S were actually pretty straightforward and they weren't, they didn't feel shady. They were like, yes, we understand that we've got a bad reputation, um, but you know what, there's a lot of confidence in our business and all of that stuff. It was just really strange because then when you ask them about how China itself, the, the China arm of the business is, they don't really have an answer because they don't, They I don't think they know <laughs> what was going on or they didn't want to say. So that was back in January, right after CES, we heard news that they got a bailout, a massive, it was like $1.2 billion bailout from Chinese real estate giant Sunak. Um, and to me, that kind of marked the beginning of this disintegration. This if you kind of look at um, the the news that had happened in the later half of 2016, they had made a lot of big promises too, right? They bought Yahoo's, I think it was Santa Clara site. Yep. Then they had a big merger announced or, or acquisition of Visio. It was for a billion dollars or so. Indeed, uh, They were supposed to build a plant. That was Faraday Future, though. Let's not even get into Faraday Future. Let's oh, yeah, Future... not go there. Indeed. <laughs> going what a, a can of
0: worms that is, right?
1: I, I can't even start with Faraday Future. Let's not even go there. Um, but anyway, so those deals were mentioned or announced in the later half of 2016. And then we start hearing in 2017, these started to fall apart and fall through. Add to that the fact that they started to lay off a lot of employees in the U.S. Um, At this point, a total of about at least 75% of, or even, I want to say, up to 90. I can't remember what the last statistic was, but basically they're down to a very small fraction of their U.S. operations um, right now. They laid off everyone. Um, it It just looked... Completely ridiculous. And then Jia Yuting stepped down as the CEO. And then he continued to step down from other positions he held at the business. All the while kind of keeping, I guess, an eye on things still. He still sort of feels like he's somewhat in charge. But not running wild as he was before with the money that people gave to him. And to be clear, this is a company that has a publicly listed. Holding company and then a privately owned like hold parent holdings company. So it's not difficult for this kind of an organizational structure to mask losses if they needed to. I'm not saying they did. I'm saying there were suspicions that they were doing that. And I spent a lot of time looking at their Chinese financial reports and annual reports, and I couldn't follow the money. As hard as I tried, and I used to work in investor relations, so dealing with, like, annual reports and these kinds of documents is not difficult for me, but I could not figure out where their money was going. Um, Yeah. It just was so weird. So, anyway, the, the whole nasty full the full dirty laundry story we you know is still on our site if you care to read it and i think it's a good story
0: yeah i will link it to in the show notes you know my my impression was always that there was something fishy about the whole thing Mm -hmm. and and then the you know i work with a lot of startups and for my consultancy that are based in taiwan and china Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: uh, and so you know i'm obviously pretty attuned to the cultural differences Mm -hmm. uh and and it's interesting because you know i was like I've, I've, you know, I've worked with a lot of different companies and I've never seen anything quite this shady before, right? I know. And so that's kind of what, what my first instinct was. And then the next thing you know was, you know, I, I was invited as a journalist to visit uh, Beijing uh, with Le Eco back in uh, about a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, when they were launching the Le, Le Pro Two and Le Two phones, just so just mm-hmm. before they did the the Le Pro Three and Le Three that they launched in yeah. the US, and. Um, you no, know, kind of like wind us and dined us to show us, you know what, uh, how they were gonna enter the U.S. market. Basically, they didn't say that they were gonna launch these specific phones, but something similar, which, as we know, turned out to be the the three model. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, you know, it was kind of weird because they didn't really give us a chance to actually try them out, or mm-hmm. or really, it was kind of like very much all for show and no substance. And yeah, super badly organized. Uh, and I was like, "Wow. and like, and these you know, these people clearly don't know what they're doing, and they want to come to the u s. Well, you know, let's see let's see how it goes, and let's give them a the benefit of the doubt. and but the biggest thing that I found out, I, I know a few people who've worked for them or with them. Uh, and the takeaway I get from talking to them and in general, from you know, talking to people like you who've investigated them and stuff is mm-hmm. is that they, you know, A lot of it was lip service. They would hire these really high-profile execs in the U.S., but these people really had no say, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And and that's actually pretty typical of a lot of foreign companies coming to the U.S. And it's Mm -hmm. unfortunate because, you know, different markets have different needs, and if you're going to hire local people that, you know, obviously know the market well, you probably should give them some credit and or some freedom to uh, to you know, come up with a plan and a strategy on how to make your product successful in their own, you know, turf, on their own turf, right? And I, I never felt that's what it was. I felt like, to me, it was like, we're a massive Chinese company with a lot of success and we want to show that we're relevant in the US, even though we don't really care about the u.s market because it's only going to bring us maybe like one percent of our income <laughs> you know what i'm saying but that yeah. way we can say we're the first chi- successful chinese company in the u.s you know what i'm saying maybe we can yeah. beat huawei to the punch uh that's always kind of the vibe that i got from laico um so yeah it's very weird it's always been there, very weird.
1: there are so many different pieces to the story i mean if we look within just within their U.S. operations itself I mean some of the things you hear and some of the things you even read on Glassdoor it's very it it feels very disjointed there was still a divide between the way the Chinese um, HQ people would run the business in the U.S. versus the way the people they hired in the U.S. would run it like it, it just felt very different some of the Glassdoor reviews um mentioned that there was a throne they would carry out just when you know Jiayu-ting was visiting the office and and you know they would rent furniture to make it look like it was a real office it was just so strange <laughs> it was ridiculous it was wow. all for you know their image for and sure. to that yeah. point if you read the um so Vizio this year filed a suit against them or two suits actually against them and if you read their documents and what they say it is hilarious they you know Vizio straight up says that a Leico's financials was already in shambles when they made that offer, and they only tried to do the deal because it would make them look stable. It would make Leico look stable, and therefore, they did that. And and they've you know not paid the um, breach of contract that Vizio is claiming they have for not following through on the merger. So there's just a lot of, you know, I mean, if Vizio is right, and you wouldn't a company like Vizio wouldn't go to court with those statements on record if they didn't think it was true so you got to believe there's there's a lot of truth to that
0: and if a,
1: if a company like video is saying that i really don't think i really don't think lego you know has anything else they can do other than completely revamp or completely admit where they've been wrong and do something altogether different
0: so the question for you as a tech journalist beyond your in, your your investigative journalism which you know was pretty awesome uh, mm-hmm. just looking at it from a product perspective there's obviously uh, pretty good deals to be had on Le eco products right now that are still being sold on their store mm-hmm. here in the us would you say stay away because you don't know how support and warranty is going to work if they fold or go out of business in the us or would you say Go for it because I actually think the products are pretty good, even though the user experience is a bit of a letdown because it pretty much looks like they basically translated the Chinese experience <laughs> to the U.S. But, you know, on an Android phone like the Eco Pro Pro 3, a Pro 3 is a pretty powerful phone for the money and you can, or at least it was when it launched, and you can skin it to be, you know, a bit more… Um, to your taste, I guess. So, uh, but I'm thinking more like their TVs, for example, I'm, I'm always looking at the prices of their TVs and the mm-hmm. features. And I'm like, oh man, these are nice and really tempting. But at the same time, it's like, I don't know if myself, I would want to recommend this to anyone else. Cause I can handle the, you know, uh, if there's a problem, whatever I can find my way, probably harass some of the PR people, if the company's still around, but mm-hmm. you know, what about the average consumer? Should we still recommend the product? Should we, not i don't know like i'm asking you
1: i have had people actually ask me right someone emailed me after the investigation went up to say hey my tv isn't working anymore and leiko's support site is completely broken like they were calling the helpline and the helpline was disconnected and i called myself and verified it was disconnected so i actually reached out to leiko and it was like your entire support system is down your chat is down your email is down and your." phone is disconnected are you not paying your bills and they were like two days later they replied yeah no our system's back up so there was an outage at least we don't know the reason um and it's and it's things like that that make me hesitate to recommend it even if it is actually seemingly a good deal right because their phone i reviewed it to the Le pro 3 beautiful hardware can't say much of the software because like yeah, you said, it's, it's pretty bad <laughs> a, a skin it's a mandarin translation which it's fine for me because i read chinese but it doesn't work for you know an american average joe that only has 400 bucks to spare and wants to buy a high-end phone no if you want to do that buy the oneplus that's just a much better right. phone for your money there's so many better options out there from companies that aren't being shady that i really don't think I personally wouldn't recommend it to any of my friends, to anyone that's a reader. I don't want to hate on the company too much because they have, you know, at least on the U.S. side, been very frank about their problems and have been, I believe, trying to address it. I'm not sure, you know, moving forward what their plans are and their message is going to be. But again, I don't want to, like I said, I don't want to hate on someone when they're down in the dumps. But as it stands, I can't recommended the tvs look great i saw them at ces i was like they're this really is some, nice yeah good tech for you know reasonable prices and that's the reason a lot of them even a lot of people even bought them in the first place but it's like now you don't know and that sense of uncertainty is not worth the savings
0: yeah i feel the same way It's a, it's a tough one because you know the phones as you said they're The phones are okay, but they're getting a bit long in the tooth now because they're Mm -hmm. like they're released in the fall last year. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they're obviously, you know. You can reskin them, so there's two. You can look at it from two ways, right? It's if you can get a really good deal on it and reskin it and make it your own, great. If not, then you have, your experience is kind of meh. But the TVs, from what I gather, are pretty cool, and mm-hmm. and that's kind of the tough one for me. It's like because oh, that's well usually the one people ask me. They don't ask me about the phones. They ask me about yeah. the TVs, right? But as you said, like if support is not online anymore, like that's already the beginning of the end. I mean, who who's gonna want a TV that? Uh, you know, it doesn't have any support in case something goes wrong. Cause if something goes wrong in an electronics product, it's going to happen the first few days, mm-hmm. right? It's usually not going to happen or, you know, it's planned obsolescence and happens two or three years down the road, yeah. but it doesn't really happen like six months in. Right. Yeah. So it's tough. Yeah, for sure. I have a hard there time. Are,
1: there are also other good TV brands though. You're, it's not like you're, right. you're, you're stiffed for something. It's not like you're, Having a lack of options. If you want an affordable TV, there's TCL. If you want TCL, is a
0: great choice for sure. Yeah.
1: So so don't and they're also Chinese. If that's what you're looking for, I don't know why. But
0: (laughs) 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 well, you know that's the thing. You have to admit that the Chinese have a manufacturing might that -hmm. makes really high quality products, hardware at least, at incredibly affordable prices, and it's hard to beat them on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that that is a super awesome competitive edge, right? And, yeah. you know, the first company that can leverage that hardware and that manufacturing might, but bring a user experience and a software experience on top of that, like the first Chinese company that can come to the U.S. and do that will mm-hmm. be really successful. But we haven't quite seen that yet. Huawei is starting to get there with their phones. I think their UI, user experience is ex- like improved radically over the last year and a half, two yeah. years. But I like again, Huawei, yeah. until they get sold by a carrier, they're kind of going to be irrelevant, right? Because they're not going to be a mainstream product. So
1: I don't know that we should um, discount that though, because carriers are slowly becoming less and less part of the conversation. Right? I agree. Because-
0: but for the mainstream, they're not, right?
1: Oh yeah, you mean like people not like yeah. Me I mean, people still walk world.
0: into a store and finance a phone instead of like rolling it to their plan subsidized. They still finance a phone with no interest, you know, like seven dollars a month or whatever. Yep,
1: that's what and, I do.
0: And they, they, but they don't really go. A lot of them don't go to Best Buy to buy an unlocked phone to do that.
1: Right. Yet you're right. That is. I mean, true. you and
0: I would do that, but I think that uh, until we start seeing people who don't read Engadget going mm-hmm. to Best Buy and just financing a, a phone uh, with no interest over 24 months and getting their contract separately. Well, not contract, but, you know, plan separately. VIP, yeah. Uh, then, you know, then I think maybe Huawei has a chance. But until then, I think the care, having the carers on board would really help because then the brand becomes relevant, right? Because right now when you talk, anybody who is not in tech and you talk, tell them Huawei, they're like, Who? Or if they know about them, it's because they bought like a a $20 phone on, you know, some prepaid carrier and it's like a total piece of junk, right?
1: (laughs) Used to be the case for me, yeah.
0: Yeah. So, I don't know. It's a tough one. Um, So, moving on, I was uh, there's a couple of news stories that I saw uh, on Engadget since it's Mm -hmm. really what I read the most. I mean, it's hard when you're an Engadget alumni not to read (laughs) Engadget every day, guys. A lot of people ask me that they're like, why do you always put links to Engadget? I'm like… Because they're my buddies. Like, hello, I work there. Like, of course, I read Engadget. But we um, also
1: happen to have the best reporting. Well, hopefully. you do.
0: You, I've, you know, <laughs> duh. Um, so obviously there's that. But um, I was excited to see a story uh, about the... It, it's actually somebody on XDA forums did this. They, they took the Pixel camera app with all its HDR plus madness right. and kind of freed it from the Pixel and Pixel XL and made it available as a side-loadable APK mm-hmm. uh, for any Snapdragon 821 and 835 phone. And, you know, I know I like my photography, so I was very excited about about that. Uh, John Fingers wrote that story. Um, John Fingers writes you,
1: every story.
0: I know, John, It's that was the case <laughs> when I worked there too. Uh, John would write 500 stories a day uh, only, only every now and then Richard Lawler would beat him, uh, in the number of news stories. But, um, but look, I, I want to know, did you, did you try this? Did you, are you excited by this? Like, uh, what kind of, what is your main phone right now?
1: I am going to upset you with my answer. No. I use iPhone.
0: What's wrong with that? What's wrong
1: with that? There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I absolutely adore the iPhone 7 Plus's portrait mode, but we can get into that later to answer your question. No, I haven't tried to sideload or install the Pixel camera app uh, standalone into any other compatible Android phone just yet, but I can see the excitement. The Pixel, those cameras are surprisingly good. I have a Pixel uh, Plus is that what it? The big called? one, the XL.
0: The, the XL. big one, yes. Thank yep. you,
1: the XL. Oh my gosh, do I even work in tech? No.
0: We um, <laughs> just Pixel pretend that XL. never happened. These are not the droids you're looking for. There, <laughs> I just erased it. There you
1: it. go. All your bays are belong to me now. So, <laughs> Pixel XL, um, and I've I've used it for some pictures. It's surprisingly good, and you know, you've got to think that the software has a huge part to play. So, hopefully. You know, freeing that and bringing it to other phones that don't have as good, you know, I don't know if it's just algorithms. Obviously, again, hardware and the actual sensors and components and lens have a lot to do with your image quality. But, you know, there's a lot that can be fixed with good software. And hopefully this will help people that have subpar apps on their phones.
0: Yeah, I think the big issue here is that, you know, like the phones as targets all have pretty decent camera apps from their manufacturers, but none of them necessarily use the exact algorithm the HDR Plus uses. And obviously that can run on the ISP of the 821, the 835. So that's why they made this uh, XDA folks managed to hack that to work on other phones, because that means if you have a G6 or Galaxy S8, Mm-hmm. and you want to benefit from HDR+, you can run the Google Camera, basically, and do that. Uh, it gives you an extra option, as it were, for like full auto mode that is uh, probably better in some situations. Um, I haven't tested it on uh, too many phones yet. I've tried it on the brand-new Zenfone AR, which is a Snapdragon 821, and the camera app crashes the moment I start it. So that's <laughs> not good. But um, I'm hearing that it works on Galaxy S8 and G6, uh, okay. At least those are two pretty strong candidates. On One 5, apparently, as well, which is uh, desperately in need of a better camera app, to be honest. Yeah. Um, very disappointing. I mean, you come from an iPhone 7 Plus, and the only other phone right now that we all know that has an optical zoom, like a permanent optical zoom telephoto lens like the iPhone 7 Plus is it's the One G- 5. Oh, yeah. And honestly, the portrait mode on the One 5 doesn't hold a candle to what the iPhone can do. But, Not at all. But, you know, rumors are that the Note 8 might have a telephoto lens. And if it does, I am mm-hmm. wouldn't be surprised if Samsung might be the first one to give Sa- uh, Apple a run for its money on portrait mode. Um, I'd love to we'll see, see that. I'd love we'll to see,
1: see a, a decent competitor. I mean, so I have been a big fan of portrait mode ever since the idea was conceptualized and brought to some phones. Right? I think one of the first phones to do it was the ZTE-X on 7 or something like that. Yeah, and
0: correct. And the P9 from Huawei last year did it as well.
1: Yeah, so these, I mean, the the early iterations were not great, but they were exciting. And then now we've got the 7 Plus, which have you seen those pictures?
0: Yes, and they They are are really remarkable.
1: Amazing. I don't even know how it's done because it's just so much better. I have played with the same setup or similar setup on so many different Android phones, and they've just gone nowhere near you know, in achieving that kind of quality. The the, the kind of even at crisp, the high end.
0: Because I'm the sorry. OnePlus Five is high end and the Moto Z two Force is high end. Mm-hmm. And their portrait mode doesn't hold a candle to what you can do on an iPhone. So you know?
1: Yeah, I know. I mean it's uh, I I I don't know. I mean that's the reason I so right now I use an iPhone 6S. And yeah. I, that's my main driver. But I mean, I've played with the other iPhones. My next phone, I am struggling to to stay with Apple because I prefer, just not prefer. I don't want to take sides, but I would love to be an Android person. Right? It's just so much more open an ecosystem. Um, but I might just have to do whatever Apple comes up with next that just has portrait mode on the smaller phone. Whatever yeah. the next phone is, I, I need that in my life. Because so I've, in lieu of that, have been using the Huawei P10.
0: Ah, exactly. That's a pretty, pretty good, but not quite as good as the iPhone for Exactly.
1: Portrait. Here's yeah. the thing. You know me. I'm the selfie queen
0: you are and And, oh my god are they ever epic you guys should follow Sherlyn on twitter and i'll let you i'll let you pimp your twitter account later at the end but really you make you have the most delightful portraits on a regular basis it's true thank
1: you that's very sweet so here's here's a little trick the huawei p10's front camera does that portrait mode
0: oh without
1: having yeah with so you get that bokeh, you get that soft, it's not accurate, you know, some of your hair will get lost in the blur, but it, it it gets this pretty effect that you will still love. And my friends have loved the P10's rear camera when I shoot group photos with it. They're like, oh my god, your phone takes the best pictures. And I was like, yes, thank you very much. Everyone hates on Huawei, but they actually, the Leica team up this time around has actually worked. I agree. Um, and I'm surprised and just happily surprised because I, I, I've i been very skeptical about Huawei for a long time. But now because, again, I've, I grew up in Singapore and, you know, we were like, oh, Huawei is a cheap phone sold by our you know, carriers that don't want to make money or whatever. It's something like that. And now they've really made a name for themselves. And I'm just I'm impressed. And maybe yeah. a little bit proud? I don't
0: know. No, I think you should be. I mean, look, I'm glad you're mentioning this because we just had the conversation speaking of the the more re- most yeah. recent uh, Android phones, with dual cameras and, and how their portrait mode is kind of meh, the OnePlus yeah. 5 and the Moto Z2 Force. But I agree with you, the P10 and particularly the P10 Plus, which has slightly oh, better yeah. optics, um, that were launched in February at Mobile World Congress and shipped in March, I believe, mm-hmm. are right now the closest thing you can get and still not quite as good as, but the closest thing you can get to an iPhone 7 Plus for portrait mode on the rear camera. Yeah, And, and you know, there are really strong camera phones in their own right. Uh, I, I was uh, talking with uh, a friend of mine recently and they said, what are your top five camera phones? Mm. And I said, number one, HTC U11, number two, Samsung Galaxy S8, number three, G6, LG, mm-hmm. number four, Pixel XL, uh, number five, Huawei P10 Plus. And they were like, mm-hmm wow, the Huawei made it. And I was like, yeah, it did. Because, you know, honestly, even with the Mate 9, which has the exact same camera system as the basic P10, mm-hmm. uh, the portrait mode is good. It's not great, but it's mm-hmm. good. And, and you know, not only that, but they've refined the user experience to to be less, uh, less skinned and less annoying than it used to be. Mm-hmm. So I really like Huawei, and I'm really hoping that they can... Uh, you know, introduce themselves to the U.S. market in a in a kind of relevant way that's going to make them players. Because from a technological point of view, if I look at purely at tech, and you know, like like how advanced technology is on a phone mm-hmm. right now, Samsung wins, yeah. and Huawei is close second, and iPhone is quite far down the chain. I'm, it's going to change with that tenth anniversary iPhone. We know that's going to blow. All the, um, you know, all the the expectations uh, in, in a major way. And I'm hoping that because Apple really needs an infusion of innovation again, mm-hmm. right? But I think that, that short of that phone, that iPhone, I think, uh, and, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what the Note 8 brings to the table because even though it's a big phone, uh, that dual imaging sensor that we don't know what it is yet, but that mm-hmm. dual camera in the back, we know that from the leaks, is going to be, I think, really impressive. So...
1: Yeah, yeah I definitely think so too I'm looking forward to it though I mean I we'll hear about this also very soon so yes oh it's it's going to be so much hard work for us are you tech, going to the
0: Samsung event
1: I am I will see you there mm-hmm.
0: I won't be there sadly oh, You know, I will I'm, wave I- at you <laughs> Yes, wave at me for I will be, I uh, will be, uh, you know, very, very strongly, very closely following the Engadger reporting on this. There you go. Because I'm actually, you know, I work at Burning Man in the summer at the end of August mm. every year. I'm staffed there. So I'm actually heading out to the desert at the end of the week That's awesome. uh, to, to work there. And so I can't really go to New York at the same time. I yeah. wish I could. They invited me and I would have totally accepted the invitation if... Um, if I wasn't going to uh, to my usual gig there, but uh, that being said, uh, there's another phone that I'm really excited about. We're also going to find out about this phone, I think, around IFA timeframe, mm-hmm. um, and right around the time I get back from the desert, which is the LG V30. <laughs> um, I put that in our topics list, but there is rumors or, or I, no, it's not rumor. LG actually came oh, out yeah. and said <laughs> this that it's uh, the camera system has an f stop of 1.6. I know, which that's is kind of wow, insane, insane right?
1: That like yeah. that's like DSLR lens level. Like it's lower. Like it's bigger than DSLR lens level. Like I haven't even bought an actual piece of glass that is bigger than f one point eight.
0: I I played with a Canon lens for the Mark f- uh, for the five D Mark three or Mark four that was an f over one point two. I was going to say lens? that's the
1: only other one I've heard. That's that. the, the only that's one
0: a- that I've seen that can go that low. And it um, ha-
1: always is a prime. It almost always is It's always is a, prime. a
0: prime, and it's uh, really awesome for portraits. But it's like, this is amazing. If they do 1.6, and then it's going to be a dual camera, obviously, we're pretty much sure that with uh, LG, it's going to be a wide angle, the second one, right? Yeah. Um, so I'm not quite sure if their um, PR people said that it's the main camera that's 1.6, so both of them is one. Because if both of them are 1.6, 1.6 on a wide angle would be unheard of, right? Yeah, um, I-
1: Briefly skim know. that news bit because it came into my inbox and I just passed it on to <laughs> someone else who wrote it. I think I can't <laughs> remember how that transpired, but um, it was
0: Mariella who wrote about it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I know that the V thirty is basically all but exposed, and we should be seeing it, like you said, around EFA time. Um, I I don't know though myself that an aperture of one point six is going to <laughs> really produce results in a phone just because there's so many other things at play you've got sensor size you've got you know literally what kind of lenses on there you've got the software yes. as we were just talking about there's so many things that can mess it up
0: but lg has a really strong track record on sensor and uh processing and import- more importantly they they're not just talking about the f stop here they're talking about the clarity they've i got a glass a, a proper glass lens which is very rare. that would be
1: right um, that would so,
0: be so you know zeiss lenses on previous Oof. previous lumia phones so, yeah. uh microsoft and nokia before it was microsoft um have proven that having a glass lens with zeiss that made made mm-hmm. by zeiss like increased clarity significantly mm-hmm. and detail with the same sensor. So mm-hmm. um I'm I've got I got high hopes of the V30 to be honest with you because the G6 um on paper didn't look that exciting but once no. I started using that camera I was like wow. Well, you know?
1: I mean the, so what the G6 was at MWC right and yeah. it was for me the kind of the, the thing that stole the show from for LG was the screen aspect ratio and Oh the my god yeah. it is. And that his camera could do this split screen thing. That was so cool. But then it kind of stole my attention away from the actual image quality. I know they were, you know, it took decent pictures. I kind of was just underwhelmed because, again, I might be just too much of a bouquet kind of girl. You know, so (laughs) I didn't, I didn't like, I like the landscape mode thing coming in when you have these gorgeous vistas around you. But otherwise, I don't really feel a need for it. Um, I am excited about the V30. I just, I don't know. I think, here's what it is. I'm going to nerd out for a little bit. I was very excited the first time I touched the V10. Uh huh.
0: Because
1: that felt like a beast. Like it was like. It was a
0: nice phone for a beefy phone.
1: Oh, yeah. It was like sturdy and it has these like reinforced steel sides or something. It was just. It was great. Oh, my God. It felt amazing. And then it had a dual screen or something, right? And it just was. Yep. It was, like, mind-blowing for the time. And so now I guess with the V30, I'm struggling to, to temper my expectations a little bit just because I'm... You know, I'm always like, oh, the V10 was so great. The V20 was kind of a letdown. Oh, the
0: V20 was a letdown, at least in design, for sure. Camera Mm. system was really awesome. But, uh, you know, the the V10 also had another feature that we haven't seen again on any other phone. And for you, that's a major feature is dual front (laughs) camera. (laughs) I
1: know. I was like, where the hell did it go?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it turns out that in the V20, it's kind of hidden in there. It's kind of like the P10. It's hidden in there, but there's a portrait mode as well. It's, oh. not, it's not called that, but it, there's, there's like a synthetic uh, uh, bokeh synthesizer type thing uh, because, you know, uh, there's also a, a, chain, a selection of angles. You can go wide or mm-hmm. narrow, which yes. is, is kind of cool because it's a single lens. You know, how do they do that? It's just all processing, but it's uh, it's got some kind of options there. I think the G6 has those as well.
1: Uh, there's actually a bunch of cameras that do that for the for the front camera. You get to pick like squeeze more people in or to leave some people. It's like the group selfie type feature or something yep. like that. Yep. Um, the P10 does it. The Huawei P10 does it too. But um, again, like I mean, you're definitely more a camera nerd than I am in terms of <laughs> for phones. Kind so of true. Yeah. yeah, it's like every phone you've been like, oh, the camera's great. I'm like, yeah, but that doesn't make up for a shitty phone because. <laughs> It, it's great it's a, one of the most important features in a phone today but then you have battery life to contend with you have design and you have display and you have, there's just so many things that go into a, you know what makes a phone good uh, I also have to admit I don't get to play with the phones as much anymore I used to at Tom's Guide be the phones girl so I would play with all the phones but at Engadget you know who steals the phones Mr. V Mr. Chris Velasco so that's right he gets to play with them a lot more than I do, and um, but you know, and he loves everything though. He's kind of he's kind of easy.
0: Cool. Well, I mean, it's it's V. You know, you yeah, just take take it, it away from him. You nice. won't notice he's got so many it's phones. True. I mean, come on. Um, I will. Yeah. Um. So I I just wanna. Uh, looking at the time here real quick, um I wanted to maybe touch on a few more things and it's kind of more personal. I mean, you obviously are an iPhone user and mm-hmm. but you've played with some of these phones. Which are the phones okay that we've talked about the P10 and a little bit about the G six. Have you had any hands time, like hands on time, significant time with the Galaxy S eight? And and if you did, what do you think of it?
1: Oh my gosh, the S eight. That thing is beautiful. Like- Isn't it? Yeah. I can't, I even like when, when V in his review for us wrote that it was like a river stone. I was like, that is so accurate. That is like, that is the best way to describe. It. It was polished and it just feels different. I I personally do not like the new aspect ratio. Because even though they're like, oh yeah, no. the, But that's what the content is these days. That's the format everyone uses. I'm like, nah, it doesn't make sense to me. It just looks a little weird. But I think it takes me getting used to it um i will say the galaxy s8's camera you know com- continues to be good the galaxy s7 had one of the best cameras i ever saw Indeed, for that yeah. generation uh and it you know it's still good and i think that like you said for the note 8 with a dual camera system it's going to be super promising and exciting
0: i'm hoping um, i mean you know it's like how can they mess it up like hopefully they don't right <laughs>
1: They they don't. I think Samsung has learned a hard lesson that you have to QC everything. You have to do such good quality control before you release anything now in the future that I think, I think Fingers crossed. Yes. Fingers crossed it will do a good job. But I will say I am disappointed with how Bixby was rolled out. Not Oh how, what a
0: disaster. Oh I know. Right? Oh man.
1: Why? Why launch a phone with its one of its main features? Just anyway, I've complained about this since February. <laughs> I can <go> on. Um.
0: <laughs> yeah, I just I honestly I don't even see the point of Bixby. I get that you can access like shortcuts into the phone's operation, which is oh, yeah. cool. But I think we're gonna get that from Google eventually, anyway. And I mean, Assistant is such a better experience, and and you know, especially if you're heavily invested in the Google ecosystem, it just. Mm-hmm. It feels like a real AI half the time, you know.
1: hmm I mean, yeah. I've, yeah, I've had to use, I've been using Google Assistant. I mean, on on smartwatches because I review them a lot, and it's just so much easier. It's it's intuitive. I don't know that Bixby doesn't have a place, though. I think Bixby for someone who's so heavily tied into a Samsung ecosystem would be useful, especially if you've like got a SmartThings hub, a, a Samsung refrigerator with the camera that shows you what's inside the fridge. Oh my gosh. You can just tell Bixby, hey, Bixby, what's in my fridge? And it will show you. (laughs) And you can just add things to your shopping list. Like that, there is a beauty. There's something to be
0: said there, yeah.
1: Yeah, and having all your things be part of one brand. I mean, there's... Well, Apple...
0: You know, Apple shows that how good the integration can be Mm -hmm. when everything Mm -hmm. is vertical, right? And to some extent, Amazon as well. Um, Oh yeah. I wanted you just mentioned smartwatches. You know, I used to work at Pebble, obviously uh, back Mm -hmm. in the heyday before the um, before the shit at the fan, as they say. Uh, Mm -hmm. But I I just want to know, like, what's your take on the current state of smartwatches? I'll tell you my my story. After I left Pebble, I I really quickly saw that Android Wear was going to be my thing, Mm -hmm. simply because I'm a heavy Android user, and I hate the fact that the Apple Watch is square and mm-hmm. doesn't display the time all the time. To me that's critical for a watch. It needs to be I need to be able to glance at it when it's not on my wrist sitting on my desk from a distance and look at the time. It, I can't have it like off like that all the time. So that's why I've never been a big Apple Watch fan. But the so I started with the Moto 360 which came out right around the time I left Pebble and then I uh, and then I went to a uh, LG Watch Urbane, mm. which was an OLED display, which was full round, which was nice. Mm. And then I went from that to the Huawei uh, Watch, first, the first one, the first edition, the one with mm-hmm. a massive screen. Mm-hmm. Now, it's really too big for most people, but for my large wrists, it worked out pretty well. In mm-hmm. fact, I wore that watch for about a an, uh, year and a half until I switched to the Huawei a watch too, which I really hate comparatively, Aww. to be honest. Well, I don't know. I'll tell you why. I hate it because it's a sports watch, primary. It looks mm. like a sports watch. So mm-hmm. I put a leather band on it, and it's a little bit. Um, classier looking, but it's still bulkier than the original Watch 1 with a smaller screen than the Watch 1. Mm. The only thing it brings to the table is NFC for payment, GPS, and in some versions, an LTE. And honestly, none of these things matters. And I find the user experience on Android Wear 2 so sluggish on that particular watch. <laughs> it takes me longer to start Android Pay on the watch to pay at a terminal Then for me to pull my phone out of my pocket, put mm-hmm. my finger on the fingerprint reader and tap the phone. You know what I'm saying? I so do. basically Android Wear for payment has basically been a disappointment for me because it's so sluggish, at least on the only watch I tried on. You've tried the LG watch, right? The one with payment? Have the, you?
1: No. So I reviewed the watch style, which had basically nothing. Oh, the
0: small one. Yeah, yeah.
1: And V tried the watch sport, which had everything.
0: Um, See, I don't was, want a sporty watch. I want a sexy little watch. I got you to, like the Pebble Time Round, but oh I want it God. to be Android Wear with an OLED display that's always on. And that's nobody's doing that. Even like the the fancy brands are not doing that. Like, tell me of a small, thin watch that has an OLED display, runs Android Wear. They don't
1: know how to do that yet. No one knows how to squeeze all they the components.
0: They need to. It's ridiculous. They do.
1: They do need to. They do need to make it as sexy as the Pebble Time Round, which is a beautiful piece of hardware, by the way. I I love that thing so much. I can't even stand it. Um, But, yeah, the fashion brands, like you said, can't figure that out because that's really not their expertise. They don't know what to do to make technology smaller unless you start hiring people in-house. And you haven't seen any fashion brands do that. You've seen a lot of tech brands higher fashion.
0: I like that article, by the way, which I will link to that you wrote. That's like, where you talk about that. You're like, you know, one of the things that watch brands are good at is making watches. So the style stuff is the style aspects are taken care of. Oops, I have a timer going off. I'm sorry,
1: guys. (laughs) Time's up. Bye.
0: No, that was uh, for my parking earlier, uh, but I moved the car already. That's of the dangers of living in the city of San Francisco. But anyway, (laughs) what I was going to say was, uh, you know, I think, That article is interesting because you're right. Like, It seems right now the excitement is in that that camp, but they don't have the technological know-how to really make the watches we want, right?
1: And that's why the tech brands that remain in this space need to keep doing what they're doing or we're never going to see smaller watches. So to your point, the Huawei Watch 2, it feels bigger, I think, because of that ceramic bezel. That they added to the face for beauty's sake. Um, right. But it adds weight as well, in my opinion. So, I don't know. I'm with you. I'm not a big fan of that sporty look. But it's not the it's worst not thing. Right. Yeah. It's not... You mentioned the Watcher Bane, and that thing was a chunky monstrosity.
0: Yeah, it and was pretty chunky.
1: It was it was in gaudy, almost, because it was supposed to be pretty, but it was really, like, bejeweled in a really weird way.
0: <laughs> the, yeah, the bejeweled version. I had the yeah. basic version, which was oh. okay still. But oh,
1: right. You, I had I the silver
0: the one that was with a black leather band, and it was all right. But okay,
1: that was all. Yeah, see, when I get that bejeweled version, that was not. Oh, my God, that, that was, was
0: ridiculous. I know.
1: Oof. But if totally you were to... Not right. If, if we're talking about smartwatches in general, I mean, I don't have an Apple Watch. I really should because I use an iPhone, but I don't. Um, and I What's guess your favorite one
0: right now? Like <laughs> of all the ones that exist out there, which one would you buy? Is and this there has one to be a smartwatch,
1: buy? not a hybrid, yeah. hybrid?
0: Oh, hybrid, yeah. Well, of course there's that. But yeah, I'm thinking purely something. For me, this notifications are the big part of my experience. Yeah. So it's hard to do notification on the hybrids properly.
1: Yeah, I mean, a good in-between would be one of the fitness tracker brands that went into smartwatches, right? Hint, hint, we all expect Fitbit to come up with one very soon. but um,
0: Yeah, I'm not holding my breath, to be honest with you. I don't
1: think it's... I mean, if you've seen the leaked renders, they do not look very good. They look like like a repurposed uh, blaze, which just, no, go and die in a fire. But the... So I personally use a Martian for now
0: uh-huh
1: and is one of those hybrid ones so it doesn't do a lot um for a smartwatch, my favorite wow that's tough i think it has to be the huawei watch Two for now because it's like and and that's also given i don't have that much experience with every other fashion brand that's done one right if kate right. spade eventually releases one with a touchscreen i would say kate spade money take my money hands down. like don't even don't even talk to me just take my money but, you know, Emporio Armani uh, said they would be launching one. You know, they had that event with Shawn Mendes at some fashion event <laughs> somewhere. I'm so on top of my news. Um, then there is, you know, the Louis Vuitton watch. There's so many that could be interesting. I have seen the Louis Vuitton, and it's not, not in my opinion, that impressive. Yeah. Um. Then there's all the Michael Kors ones. There's the Fossil Brands ones. There what about the Misfit so Vapor?
0: Is that Android was, Wear or not?
1: It is. I was going to mention... Uh, I that think looks
0: really sexy.
1: It does look pretty. Uh, and I liked it when I saw it. The color combinations are nice as well. Um, and F- and Misfit has its own little software tweaks to make it easy to tell time whenever. I uh, just, for some reason, haven't really used it. I don't know. I I think I'm more of, like, if I have to go for a fashion... Is it group, out? I like,
0: would... is it actually out there? Or is it just still, like, announced Paper. but not out? <laughs> They, yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh bang
1: um yeah no we all made that joke when it first came out i i don't i'm not sure if it's a i think it is for sale in places okay maybe i should uh, buy one it's
0: s- only one ninety nine. or right, just hit up misfit for a review it. there <laughs> you go there you go
1: it's not it's not bad it's not a bad watch i think that there are it depends on your needs and there, IDC, I think, was saying in its um, one of its wearables reports that with fashion brands kind of so aggressively joining the fray now, you actually have the excuse to sell people more than one smartwatch exactly. at a time. Exactly, and that's good for good news for the industry, but not good news for us. However, it does mean that, like, hopefully, Android Wear will get its act together to a point where it's one software across all the devices, right? And then if I put on one. Another will know that somewhere else it's being used and, and be able to keep track of what I'm using and where I'm going and all of that stuff. That would be ideal. Yeah. <laughs> I might be asking for too much. But if that's the case, then I would pick like any number of smartwatches to be my favorite. And I would I would adopt Android Wear wholeheartedly and that is what would get me to move to an Android phone. Cool. Because Android wear when paired to iOS is trash.
0: Yeah, no, it's not. It's just it's just symbolic more than anything, right? Really? Yeah. Yeah. Um cool well I mean I think you know um smartwatches I mean I'm still pretty bullish I think that smartwatches are you know a niche for sure that I think they've always meant to they were always meant to be one I don't think I never had any illusions when I was at Pebble that we wouldn't become huge like yeah. I and and I think any who, anybody who did was just not in tune with the industry mm-hmm. um but at the same time you know accessorizing and fashion is a very personal thing. And so choice becomes more critical to me than technology almost.
1: Mm-hmm. And,
0: and so as long as the technology is, is reliable and solid, does what you want it to do. And, and, he, and the one part we haven't broken of that is small and, you know, mm. sexy, right? Like that's one mm-hmm. thing we haven't been able to crack yet. Once we can get that going, I think watches are going to continue, you know, there's going to be an equal distribution out there between, you know, non-smart and smart and maybe some hybrids in the middle, you know? And I think that's going to be perfectly fine.
1: Yeah, I think that's the way it's going to be.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, before we wrap it up, I just wanted to get your feel on a few more phones just because, you know, it's a phone show. <laughs> well, it's a mobile tech show. But but I'm um, kind of curious. Like, have you played with the U11, for example? And what do you on that? I have
1: not played with, with the U11 Dang. a lot. Uh, again, like I said, that's kind of these firmly gripping yeah. it in his hands. He um, has, I've looked at it while it's in his hands. It looks very shiny. <laughs> <laughs> it is very shiny. Uh, it's a very interesting design. I'll say that you
0: should tell Chris that now you've uh, that I've I've said it in public that he needs to lend you some uh, more phones to play. Oh, with Oh,
1: I'll just go grab them. So it's now fine. <laughs> I, yeah, just
0: just take them from the storage room or whatever.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. The other one I'm wondering uh, if you played with is the Key One.
1: Oh yeah, Black I was Berry. just going to mention it. I've kept wanting to mention it. I have one uh, to play with uh, or to review, but we've already done our review. The what do you keyboard. Think? Seems cramped, but it is. I think that's because yeah, it's smaller than other Blackberries, right? Because a little it bit had yeah. to be modern. But that said, you, I mean, I like that you have assigned shortcuts to individual keys, so you can press U for Uber. That's really nifty. Yeah, uh, I like that it doubles as a touchpad because that screen is really kind of far away when you have that keyboard at the bottom. Uh huh. I like the fingerprint sensor and the spacebar. That's a There's, really brilliant little
0: piece, isn't it?
1: It's very, very smart. I think that they thought about how to do this, but then the heyday of typing on a physical keyboard is just over. I agree. Which is very unfortunate. It's a niche product,
0: basically, because the people who have one love it, right? Yeah, Yeah. It's
1: like a smartwatch, right? People who love it will buy it in droves, but people who don't need a physical keyboard will not. And therefore, that's where its limit is, and that is where it will never kind of just burst into... You know, and take over Samsung at any point. That's not, but I don't think that they have any illusions about what they're going to be either. Blackberry seems, at least TCL, uh, seems very aware. This is more targeted for a business minded professional that wants to fire off emails in a com- on a comfortable keyboard that they've grown to love be- after being on Blackberries forever. Um, and that security software, it's definitely appealing for people who are already used to it and newcomers alike.
0: Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's, a, I don't know, it's a very unique phone. And, and I think it, it, you know, you pull that out, people will go like, what is that? Or mm-hmm. immediately go, oh, key Leather. one. Cool. Right. right. So it's like, you know, that's, and that, you know, appeals to some people. I think that having the option of, of having a phone that is recognizable or having a phone that's like, oh, surprise, it's not a slab of glass and right and metal that nobody, you know, recognizes basically. yeah We could all
1: use a little more unique these days.
0: Yeah, And I think that's true. And I think, in a way, that's why I think the Galaxy S8 is kind of changing mm. the face of the phone by making it look different. Yeah. Uh, of course, now they're all going to be like that, so we're <laughs> going to get used to it. But it's the first, you know, I mean, the, arguably the G6 was the first, but the G6, because it doesn't have the rounded edges, mm-hmm. uh, it's not quite as striking, I think. And that's why the Galaxy S8, like, I reviewed it for Chip Chick and I, mm-hmm. I called it, you know, Masterful, because I feel like, it packs so much tech and it does it so well and both on a cosmetic level on a on a software user experience level even i'm not a big fan of samsung customizations usually but mm-hmm. i find, i find that this year they've really done a good job at curating them and picking the right ones and giving us the right options you know which is something it's hard to say about past samsung phones i
1: know they've learned their lesson though i mean if you look at the disaster that was the s3 s4 and stuff like that i mean they've now come such a long way and i think that they deserve kudos for that even though they screwed up on the note 7 a little bit
0: wow yeah pretty pretty bigly (laughs) i would say (laughs) Um, pretty hugely yeah, pretty hugely. So cool. Well, I think you know uh, this is pretty much a wrap. I wanted to give you a chance to, um, to you know, pitch yourself, um, you know, pimp yourself out to the world mm-hmm. with your URLs and handles mm-hmm. and all that. If you want to go ahead.
1: Yeah, I mean, I usually shy away from pimping myself. I am such a shy flower,
0: <laughs> delicate Aww. flower. But well, those um, selfies, how can you be shy?
1: <laughs> I do. I do them. Uh, because I am sh- i don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> my Twitter handle is where you can probably find me. It's at Sherlyn C-H-E-R-L-Y-N-N-L-O-W. And my Instagram is where I'm trying to build more of a following to be very self-aware and everything. And that's at Sherlynstagram, C-H-E-R-L-Y-N-N-S-T-A-G-R-A-M. And you can read my work on Engadget.com.
0: Indeed. And yeah, go to Engadget. Lots of really good stories from a lot of really great people. And mm. of course, from Sherilyn, which is awesome. You know, Thank another you. awesome voice, uh, wo- woman in tech voice to follow. So uh, add that to your list. And uh, you know where you can find me. Uh, I'm T N K G R L on uh, on Twitter. Uh, that's like the comic book character without the vowels. My YouTube channel is uh, uh, mm-hmm. youtube.com slash Miriam My full name spelled out Miriam with a Y. Uh, I, uh, the Mobile Tech Podcast, this podcast, uh, the URL is mobiletechpodcast.com. Very easy. Uh, I want to thank World Podcast for being the hosts and the editors of this show and the curators of it. Uh, it's a good collaboration we've got going. And then finally, uh, you know, uh, read my reviews uh, from time to time on chip chick and on mobile geeks.com and thanks for tuning in thanks uh, Sherlyn, for being on again i really Thank appreciate you. it's pleasure i uh, hope to have you on again
1: yeah should be cool
0: awesome all right guys everybody cheers bye 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 this has been the mobile tech podcast with tank girl proudly presented by world podcasts.com you can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com.